Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Steve McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're doing a live property analysis. Yes, we're going to look at an existing property and run the numbers on it so you can copy the same process when you are analysing properties yourself. Now, of course, here at Opus Partners, we only focus on new build properties. So I've gone out and I've found an existing property. I've actually plucked it off the iFind property website. They're a property investment company that focus primarily on existing properties. And I found one in Hamilton. It is a multi-income property for about $842,000, quite near the university in Hamilton. Now, Andrew, talk to us about what this property is before we go through and analyse the numbers. So it's got one property, but they've got two units on it. So each of them have two bedrooms, one bathroom. And it'd be fair to say it's in pretty tired condition. Yeah, looking at the photos, I'd say it's what you'd expect for a 1970s unit that hasn't really been touched in the last 50 years. So it's like got the old wooden doors. You, you know. I recognise these from houses that I've lived in. Yeah, brown doors. And then you go into the bedrooms and it's got those like concrete block walls, you know, that have been painted over. But that's what a 1970s unit has, you know, that's got the, the shower over the bath and it's a bit oh, yeah. started to yellow a bit. The worst part is when the shower curtain touches your leg in the shower. Oh, it's so it gross, gross, isn't it? It's not nice, yeah. especially if the shower curtain's been there for a couple of years. Always have been. Yeah, so it's that kind of place where, you know, the curtains are red and the power sockets on the wall are a little bit yellow. Now, I want to be really clear, I'm not knocking the property and saying it's a bad property. I'm just giving you guys an understanding of it so you can picture it in your own minds because this could be a really good investment property for some people. Now, Andrew, when we go through and analyse the property, what is our goal? What are we trying to figure out? Well, I think you're wanting to, at the high level, figure out if you want to make an offer. So the key reason why you want to make an offer is you want to get into a conditional period where you can actually dig into it in more detail. You don't want to overanalyze everything and then miss out on the property. You want to actually have the ball in your court, have it under contract, subject to whatever checks you need to do. Yep. So we're going to put it under contract. So you have the option to buy it. And that's where you really figure out if you want to pull the trigger. Now, what is the first step in this? Okay. First step, what I always say is price is the most important factor. So you've got to gauge the price. Yep. So how are we going to do that? So the price here is 842000 If I think about that, okay, we've got two properties on one title, roughly 400 and a bit each. Doesn't seem unreasonable. It's enough that I'd probably want to dig into it more detail. And if I was a purchaser trying to figure out whether $842,000 was the right price, what steps would you take to figure out if that was the case? Jump online. Go and check other options around that area. Yeah, okay. Well, what are you looking for? Dig into some detail for me. Well, I'd probably look for a two-bedroom unit, see what that's selling for, see if there are any other multi-unit developments that are comparable. Yeah, okay. And so what websites are you going on to figure that out? Probably trade me in realestate.co.nz. Yeah. What if I see a property that's a multi-unit and it's got price by negotiation? I'd ring the agent, pick up the phone, ask the agent, hey, what kind of numbers are they expecting here? Yeah, okay. So this is how you might start to get an understanding of what the property might be worth. It's interesting that you didn't talk about either a homes.co.nz or a QV. No, I, I tend to actually look at what's around on the market at the time. But I mean, you could absolutely use those as well because you might not be able to find a direct comparison. The problem is, you know, you could jump on homes.co.nz. And I know, I remember real estate agents were using that to kind of manipulate the market a little bit last year where they were entering in what the expectation was. And then that would report back and you'd think, oh, well, that seems like a fair price, but it might not have been. 
Okay, so the first step would be to look at similar properties that are currently being listed and you reckon call the agents to get an understanding of what the seller is willing to accept. That's what I would do. Okay, let's say that we went through that step and yeah, it stacks up at this particular price. What's the next step for you? Then you need to think about the cash flow. So the rental on this one is at the moment $870 a week for the two units. So it's got a gross yield of 5.4%. It's okay for an older property, but... I find property think that it's actually under-rented by about $130 a week. So if we take that into account, it's a gross yield of 6.2%, which is certainly on the better side. Okay, so about a 6.2% gross yield. Is that what you'd expect? How do you, do, I mean, is that high? Is that low? Is it about average? What, what's your gauge on it? You're talking about an older property that's going to have higher maintenance. So you do want that to be a little bit better from a cash flow standpoint because you've got those extra maintenance. You might have a little bit more vacancy maybe on that. So I would say that's probably, you know, okay. It's nothing to write home about, but it's not bad. So talk to us about the cash flow. What's that look like? So what I'd do is I'd use the Opus Return on Investment Calculator because that works for any type of property and I'd punch in all the details. I've worked on 100% borrowing. I've worked on maintenance of $1,000 a unit per year, which I think is probably on the low side given that there might need to be a real refresh at some stage, but let's just work on that. 2000 in total and all your normal costs. Now. Cash flow wise, once you buy this property, there's a top up, if you're borrowing 100%, of about $25,000 a year. So it's kind of a normal top up that we're seeing at the moment, about $500 a week. That reduces over time and by year five, it becomes positively geared. And in your first year of property ownership, your top up is $57,000. So $500 a week in the first year, then $400 a week, then $200 a week, and then virtually nothing. And certainly one of the questions people ask me is, okay, well, new builds tend to be negatively geared. What about existing properties? Well, it's actually got nothing to do with whether properties are new builds or existing properties at the moment. It's got everything to do with what the current interest rates are. So if you use that standard test of, okay, if I was to borrow all of the money to buy a property, what does the cash flow look like? And the latest numbers out of Velocity show that about 93% of properties purchased by investors today would be negatively geared or are negatively geared. You know, they require some of that top up to be put in. So even if you've got something with, you know, a half decent gross yield here that's being marketed by another property investment company, you know, you can still find that it's going to be negatively geared, even though it's an existing property that's renting out with a decent gross yield. Okay, so you've got to put in some money to to top up this property. What do the numbers look like over the long term. If I'm putting in money to top this property up, how much could I potentially get out? This is the number one thing I ask myself about any investment. What do I have to put in? What do I have to get out? Now, forgetting about the deposit side of things that you're borrowing against your house for now, you're going to have to top up 57000 of cash flow for the first four years. Now, now in terms of capital growth, you're estimated to get $675,000 worth of capital growth over the 15-year period. Now, that's at 5% per year. Plus, there's positive cash flow years. So $134,000 worth of positive cash flow. So all up, you've put $57,000 in, in cash flow, and you've got out $809,000 over the 15 years. Yeah, and I always say to people, I know that sounds really simple, and it kind of is that simple in some ways. You buy an investment property, goes up in value, you eventually get some cash flow out. Like it, it kind of is that simple. At the same time, it's also not that simple because it's not 5% every year. And we can model out the cash flow over 15 years, but there's so much uncertainty in it as well because inflation isn't 2% every year. The rent doesn't go up by 4.7% every single year. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. 
But the most important thing is that you actually run the numbers to get a good understanding of what could happen over the next 15 odd years. And I think one of the other important things to remember is we put assumptions in our calculator that we think are appropriate. But you can put whatever numbers you want in there. Under the assumptions tab, it's all unlocked. You can put in whatever inflation rate you're comfortable at. You can change any of those things to see what the best case, the worst case, and you know somewhere in the middle case is. So what do you think, Andrew, are the pros and cons of buying an investment property like this? So the pros are it's a pretty good yield, and I think it's a really good location being near the university in Hamilton. It's like two streets over. So, you know, I thought I was so lucky when I went to the University of Waikato because I was like a three-minute walk away from the university. This property is like at the other end of the street. So it's it's super close. You could walk to the university in like five minutes. Is that why you got so fat when you are at uni? Because you weren't walking that far? No, this was back in my skinny days. So I got got really fat at Auckland University. (laughs) Do you know what? It's quite embarrassing now. Tell the story about about your pants. No, okay. Come on, it's Christmas time. Yeah, okay, fine. Well, 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 when this podcast is released, it's, it's, it's New Year's, so people identify with this. So back, <laughs> back when I was at university in Auckland, I don't know, like I was quite depressed in some ways, and so I, I kind of ate my feelings. Why do you have to make it all serious? Well, what I used to do is I'd go to the, the I think it was the Woolworths back then. Were you vegan back then? No, I wasn't. And so what I'd do is I'd go to that lolly section where you could I shovel in. I love those, yeah. You know, and, oh, I went to town. On what it. lollies do you like? Gummies. Oh, I'd eat the fudge. I'd eat everything. Fudge. Oh, oh yeah, that'll pack anyway, on the pounds. Anyway, but I'd buy this massive thing of lollies. Yeah. Jump on the train home on a Saturday night, you know, after being at university, and eat the whole bloody thing. Oh, no. Moment anyway, on the lips, lifetime on the hips, my friend. Well, luckily it wasn't a lifetime. But, um, <laughs> and then what happened with the pants? Well, so I started putting on weight. And then I remember coming home from university one year and a button <laughs> had just popped off some of the pants. <laughs> I've heard the story 10 times and I still enjoy it just as much. Hey, well, as much well, as you enjoyed the fudge. Well, welcome along to the Property Academy <laughs> podcast where you learn life lessons as well as property lessons. Anyway, so what happens is I was back at home after the holidays. And I think I was wearing some pants and my mother said to me, hey, it looks like that button's about to pop off. And I said, I don't know what's wrong, you know. I think that, the, you know, I've had quite You're a not few... making these like they used to? This is my story. I said, oh, you know, like my, the buttons of my pants keep popping off. Like, I think it must be something wrong with the dryer that, you know, if I put the, pa- if I put the pants in the dryer, if I put them in the dryer, obviously the heat is messing with the cotton that's holding the button on. That's actually, she said, You've gotten fat. Anyway, I showed her the next year I lost 20 kilos. 20 kilos? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. No Did, fudge what, for you no then. No fudge for me then. But anyway, so going back to this property, <laughs> oh, some, yeah. some, so those are the pros. <laughs> Pretty good yield. The other pro, good location near university. So you won't be tempted to go stack on the lollies on the train home because your tenants will just be walking. But what do you see as the cons? Um, the cons are, I think there's going to be real... <laughs> I can't believe that we actually talk. <laughs> Welcome to New Zealand's number one business podcast. Cons, I think, like, you know, allowing $1,000 a year in the maintenance, I didn't want to skew the numbers and make it seem like we we're saying, oh, no, existing properties are really bad because they're not bad. Like, you know, there, there can be a lot of money made from existing properties, but I do think I am being probably a little bit generous by giving it just $1,000 a year for maintenance because, you know, these look like the type of properties that you'll get an unexpected bill every couple of years. It'll be the hot water cylinder. Exactly that. It'll really hurt your feelings. The other thing is, I think you're going to have higher turnover attendance because you're going to have those students, you might be renting them for 11 months of the year or 10 months of the year for exactly that reason. 
Yeah, well, I think what you do in this case is you probably sign them up for a 12-month fixed-term tenancy. Well, that's easier said than done, though. Like in Wellington, they have months where they're just empty houses because tenants don't sign that. Well, in some of these university towns, it can be quite common to sign on for 12 months anyway. Okay, okay. Well, you're the only one that's gone to university out of the two of us, so. Yeah, it really shows as well. Yeah. The last thing that I'd just mentioned is that it's probably worth asking as well, before you say, oh, cool, I'm going to put an offer on this property, after you've seen the cash flow, after you've drawn the return on investment, just ask yourself, is this the right investment for my portfolio? Now, in this case, this is more of a yield-based property. We expect yield properties to have about that 6% gross yield. And the reason that I say that this is a yield property is you've got the two units on one title. If you were to go and sell this, you're probably selling to an investor rather than an owner-occupier because it's quite specific. You've got two units on one property. A family's probably not going to move into this because little Sally and Jimmy, the kids, they don't need their own two-bedroom <laughs> unit to themselves. You know, Maybe they, you want that. Where they're going to run around with the knives and you know <laughs> put their fingers into the power sockets, yeah, all of those kinds of things. Best. So it's probably not going to be there for like a family or a first-home buyer. So it'll get a good yield, possibly won't go up in value quite as quickly. So it's definitely more of that yield property. Second thing is this does have some opportunity for renovation. So if you want to follow a renovations-based strategy, this type of property could be really good. Now, Andrew, if you were analysing this property, you wanted to buy it, wanted to put it on offer, what's your next step? I think you go and make an offer, but make it subject to a few things. So always subject to finance, subject to your lawyer's approval, and ideally subject to due diligence, which is just kind of a get out of jail free card. It's uh, all encompassing. You can decide you want to get out of it because you don't like the color of the door. You don't really have to give any reason. So that would be kind of my ideal situation. Get the property off the market and then really dig down into those costs, dig down into the rent, make sure that that is actually under rented. Do a builder's check, make sure there's no unexpected maintenance issues that are going to creep up in the next 12, 24 months. And of course, this is an existing property. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about a new build to give it a bit of balance as well. Now, if you are thinking about investing in 2024, one of the main questions you're going to have in your head is, can I afford to buy an investment property? The bank rules are quite tough at the moment. So I've taken all of those bank rules. I've put them into a calculator just so you can get a sense about whether the bank may lend you any money to go in and buy an investment property next year or not. If you want to check it out, just go to opuspartners.co.nz slash 2024. That's 2024. I'll also put the link down in the show notes. And in 60 seconds, you can just get a sense of whether you might be able to buy an investment property next year or not. Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ted McKnight. We're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the property market. Until next time, 